Well, this morning I am excited because we are going to wrap up our series entitled Kingdom Culture. We've spent uh, this entire summer about six weeks talking through what does it mean to be a part of a kingdom culture. So let's look in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. And this has been our foundational scripture throughout this series. The Bible says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe in the gospel. So we started out six weeks ago asking this question, what is a kingdom culture? And we said a kingdom culture is a culture that is defined, right? It's defined by the kingdom of God. It's a culture that says we are who God says we are. We have what God says we have, and we can do what God says we can do. And the realization is that we recognized about six weeks ago that God's heart for the local church is that we would cultivate and create that kingdom culture. We learned yesterday, Bishop did such a great job yesterday morning challenging us as men. And one of the things that he made a statement to us as men about was simply this. He said, if we're not careful, we'll create a church culture, but we won't have a kingdom culture. And we don't want to be religious, right? We want to be righteous. We don't want to live by form and fashion. We want to live by spirit and truth and let the Holy Spirit breathe not only in us but through us to touch our world and literally create a kingdom where God's kingdom reigns and God's kingdom rules. We said there are four expressions of the kingdom of God we've been looking at over the last few weeks. We said the kingdom of God is internal, right? We said the Holy Spirit now rules and reigns within us. We said the kingdom of God is spiritual, and that is that when you get born again, John chapter 3, Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God, and unless you're born again, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. So we recognize that when we come to Christ through faith in Jesus, we enter into a spirit realm. We step into the kingdom of God, into a spirit realm, a heavenly realm where God reigns and God rules, and His dominion and His power and His presence comes into the lives of people. We recognize that the kingdom of God is also physical. Jesus said, and the kingdom of God is among you. And all of a sudden, when the kingdom comes, supernatural things begin to happen. The supernatural overrides the natural, and God brings physical provision through spiritual power. And he multiplies the fish and the loaves, and he heals the sick, and he raises the dead, and he walks on water. And all of a sudden, amazing things begin to happen in the natural realm because the supernatural realm overrides it. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And the things he's talking about is food and clothing and shelter and provision. All the natural things that you need will be added to you. And then last Sunday, we talked about how the kingdom of God is eternal. That we're a part of an everlasting kingdom. That of the increase of his government and his peace, the Bible says there will be no end. And that we're here as the church, right? And we're not here just to go along and get along. We're here to take back and take over. Come on, somebody. Right? We're here to take back a culture that has been consumed by darkness and take over a world that is lost in sin and selfishness and under the cloud of the enemy. And we have a job to do. And what a pleasure, right? What a joy, what a pleasure, what an honor that God has invited us to be ambassadors of the kingdom. To be ambassadors 
of the kingdom, to have the full force of the kingdom of God backing us as we do what he's called us to do, as we go where he's called us to go, and as we live as he's called us to live. So today, let me look at that. Let's look at that next point because today we're going to kind of wrap up this series talking about this. We said every culture has four things. And a kingdom culture has a language, it has values, it has beliefs, and it has standards that align with God and his kingdom. Every culture has four things. If you Google what makes a culture, it's going to give you these four things. Every culture has a language. Every culture has values and beliefs and standards by which define their culture, right? We live in a world today where the LGBTQ plus culture is trying to take over a society. And you know what? When you look into that culture, they have a language. They have values. They have beliefs. And they have a standard by which they live their lives. And that's true of every culture. And it's specifically true of the culture of the kingdom of God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at those four expressions of that culture. And we're going to see how that by understanding how that kingdom culture operates, that we can begin to align ourselves and we can begin to examine ourselves. How many of you recognize the scripture actually says that we should examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith? Am I actually operating in the kingdom? Am I actually living the kind of life God has called me to live? Because here's what's possible, and we all know this to be true. It's possible for me to be in the kingdom, but not operate in it. I can be born again, but I'm not operating in the kingdom of God. I can operate in a worldly kingdom. I can operate in flesh. I can operate in sin. But if I'm, if I'm, if I'm living the life God's called me to live, I'm not only in the kingdom, but now I'm operating in the kingdom of God in such a way that his kingdom comes. So let me tell you what happens in the kingdom. In the kingdom, God's presence, God's power, and God's provision is yours. When you operate in the kingdom of God, you're operating in a place where the presence of God, the power of God, and the provision of God is available to you. Why? Because you're building his kingdom. You're accomplishing his work. You're fulfilling his mission. And God always pays for everything that he orders. Amen? So let's talk about this today. The language of the kingdom. That'll be our first thought today, this morning. So the language of the kingdom is faith. Faith agrees with God and says what he says. Now, let me just be honest with you. There are a lot of little expressions we could look at in each of these four categories. But I really felt like the Lord Holy Spirit said, Keith, let's drill it down. I want to drill it down just on some foundational values that define the kingdom. So the language of the kingdom of God is faith. Faith agrees with God. Faith says what God says about your life, about your circumstances, about your problems, about your difficulties, about everything about you. And here's the realization. If we're going to operate in the kingdom, we're going to have to operate in a language of faith. How many of you recognize the scripture says that death and life are in the power of the... And your words have power to create life. Or to create death. Your words can establish God's kingdom 
in your life or it can establish the kingdom of darkness in your life. And the choice is yours. There's a great scripture. Look with me in Romans chapter 14. There's a great scripture in Romans 14, verse 23. It's the last part of that verse. There's a little phrase I want you to see. Look what the scripture says. It says, for whatever is not from faith is Whatever's not from faith is sin. Now let me just remind you the definition of sin. The word sin is simply this, to miss the mark, to come short of the glory of God. Let me just give you this idea. The kingdom is the mark. God's called us into the kingdom. God's called us to live in the kingdom, operate in the kingdom, a place where God's presence, a place where God's power, a place where God's provision is available and accessible to whosoever will. That's the goal. That's the mark. That's the bullseye, the kingdom. And anything that is not of faith is sin. Anything that's not of faith misses the mark. And all of a sudden, if I'm not in faith, if I'm not speaking in faith, if I'm not declaring by faith, if I'm not agreeing with God, then I'm missing the mark. Guess what's happening? I'm operating outside the kingdom, outside the promise, outside the provision, outside the protection, outside the power that God has made available to me. It's kind of like God gave you a debit card, and it has unlimited access but you go to the store and refuse to swap it. Well, I think I'm going to use my cash. Well, wonderful. Use your cash till your cash runs out. How many know there's no limit to God's grace? There's no limit to God's power. There's no limit to God's provision, God's protection, God's ability to move in your life. But we have to access that. How do we do that? The language of the kingdom is faith. Hebrews chapter 11, we know the scripture, verse 1 and 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by faith we understand that the worlds, listen to this, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In Genesis 1, the Bible says that darkness covered the face of the deep. And you know what God did? God looked at the darkness and God said, let there be. That's the language of the kingdom. God calls those things that do not exist as though they do. God looks at darkness and he says, let there be. You know what fear does? Fear says what it sees. Fear looks at darkness and it says, boy, it's dark out there. Looks like things are getting worse. Have you seen the news lately? Man, things are going downhill. I'm not sure if anything's ever going to change. Man, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Man, I don't know what we're going to do financially. Man, the economy's going to hell. Man, the government's going to hell. Man, the world is going to hell. And you know what? It all is <laughs> without Jesus. It's all headed to hell. It's on a one-way path of destruction. But you know what faith does? Faith doesn't say what it says. Faith agrees with God. You know what God says? He looks at the world and he says the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. So let's pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth more laborers into the harvest. God looks at the darkness and says, let there be light. God looks at the confusion and says, let there be peace. God looks at the chaos and he brings his blessing and his favor. He speaks life where there was death. 
And the language of the kingdom is a language of faith that agrees with God. What you say about yourself, what you say about others, what you say about life matters. Because it dictates what kingdom you are going to operate in. Romans 4, 17. I just quoted it. Let's read it together. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. This is talking about Abram and Abraham. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls those things that do not exist as though they did. So God looked at Abram, who was an old man married to a wife, Sarai, who was barren and could not have kids. And God looked at them and said, you're the father of many nations. Abraham looked in the mirror and said, I'm an old man married to a barren woman and we can't have kids. God looked at him and he said, you're the father of many nations and your seed is going to be like the sands of the sea and like the stars in the sky. You know what God did? God gave him a picture of his natural inheritance and his, or his natural legacy and his spiritual legacy. Because God calls those things that are not as though they were. Now, let me tell you what faith is not, because sometimes when you talk about faith and speaking in faith and living by faith, we get weird. How many know sometimes Christians get weird? So, sometimes we get weird, and people say, so if you're living by faith, then that means you can't acknowledge any negative or bad thing happening in your life, and we want to just start denying everything. Faith does not deny reality. Faith declares a greater reality. Faith does not deny reality. Faith declares there's a greater reality. There's a greater power. There's a greater dominion. It's called the kingdom of God. Faith looks at the barren and says be fruitful. Faith looks at the darkness and says be light. Faith looks at chaos and says let there be peace and order. Faith declares there's a greater reality than what I can see. There's a greater than reality than what I can touch. There's a greater reality than what I can sense in the natural. It's called the kingdom of God. Where God reigns and God rules. Where his dominion and his power is without match and without measure. And that's faith. And that's the language of the kingdom. Mark chapter 11. Jesus said this. Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have, look what he says, whatever he says. If you believe in your heart and speak with your mouth, you will have whatever you say. And let me just say something. That's true for the positive and the negative. Most people have what they say. You listen to people that are broke, busted, and disgusted. And all they can talk about is how broke, busted, and disgusted they are and how bad things are and nothing works out and nothing turns away and they never have any favor and nothing good ever happens to them. And you know what happens? They get more of what they said. You look at people that talked about how they're favored by God and they're blessed by God and how God's good and how God's gracious, how God's kind, how God's merciful, how God's always showing up. And you know what? doesn't matter how dark it gets. They somehow pop up. Out of the darkness with the glorious light of Christ shining on and in their lives. Whatever you believe in your heart, whatever you say, if you believe it in your heart, Jesus said you can have whatever you say. Here's the challenge. Most people have more faith in the devil's power to destroy them 
than they do in God's power to redeem them. Most people have more faith in the devil's power to destroy them than in God's power to redeem them. And we've got to recognize something. Here's the answer. We've got to repent and believe the gospel. I've got to change the way I think. I've got to repent. God, I'm sorry. That's wrong. I repent for that. I believe the gospel. I believe that God is greater. I believe that God is good. I believe I'm the head, not the tail, the top, not the bottom, the first and not the last. And whatever I do will prosper and I have good success. I believe that God is for me and not against me, that his favor is upon me and that he surrounds me like a shield. I believe that the greater one lives on the inside of me. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am accepted. I am favored. I am loved. I am, I am, I am surrounded by the goodness of who God is. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Faith decrees and declares a greater reality. Faith refuses to allow faith in the devil's power to be greater than our faith in God's power. And whatever we can say, we can have if we believe in our heart that God is good. Amen? The language of the kingdom is the language of faith. Let's talk about the values of the kingdom. The values of the kingdom are life. This is powerful. I want you to hear this. Every life matters to God. And Jesus came to give us life. The values of the kingdom, there are a lot of them, but I want to give you one. The values of the kingdom is life. God values life. Every life matters to God. And Jesus came to give us life. John chapter 10. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. But the thief does not come except but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Why did Jesus come? To give us what? And life more what? And then look at verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives us what? For the sheep. God values life. He values life so much that he sent his son to give life that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Look at Ezekiel 33. This is a great scripture. God's speaking to Ezekiel. Look what he says. He says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from his ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? See, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom values life. Every life matters. Every person matters. And God even has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't approve their wickedness. He doesn't approve their sinfulness. And he is a God of justice and righteousness. But God's heart is that there is a value system in the kingdom that says every soul, every life, every person matters. I made this statement last week. Every time a person dies without Christ and goes to hell, we lost a battle. We lost a battle. It ought to be a personal insult to the church that people are dying and going to hell. It ought to be a personal insult to the church that people are dying and going to hell. Because every soul matters. Every person matters. In 2 Peter, the apostle Peter says this. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
If you back up one verse, they were asking Peter, all the scoffers, he was addressing the scoffers who said, when's Jesus coming? Everybody's been saying, Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again. When's he going to come? And then Peter says, hey, what you don't understand is this. God's not being slack. (laughs) He said he's being patient and caring and loving and compassionate because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, God values, the kingdom of God values life. Every life, every soul, every person matters. And guess what happens? Guess what happens when we begin to operate out of a value system called life? We begin to love our neighbors ourselves. We begin to treat other people the way we want to be treated. We no longer look down on people or walk past people. There's no longer racism. There's no longer prejudice. And there's no longer discrimination when every life is valued. There's no big eyes and little U's. It's just us in the kingdom. Let's listen to what the Apostle Paul said. He so beautifully described it in Galatians chapter 3. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So there is no longer Jew or Gentile. That's our race. There's no longer slave or free. That's financial status. You're no longer male or female. That's gender identity. He says, for you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you're all true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. See, in the kingdom of God, there are no longer classes. We're no longer classified. We are now unified. Think about that. Think about a world where every soul is valued. Think about a world where we're not segregated or isolated because of the color of our skin or the education that we have or the money that we make or the house that we live in. That's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a a kingdom that values life. Every single life matters. In America, unfortunately, we have valued choice over we have valued life. Even though Roe versus Wade has been overturned, there is still a huge pro-choice movement that is, that is valuing the choice of an individual over the life of another individual. And since 1973, 57 million babies have been murdered in their mother's womb. 57 million. And history proves that any time a culture devalues the unborn... They will also devalue the elderly. And all of a sudden, we begin to qualify life. And if you're not outside the wound, you're not worthy of life. And if you're no longer living a quality of life, you're not worthy of life. But in the kingdom, every life matters. Every soul matters. Every person matters matters. You know what I love about Liberty Church? I love the fact that we could have a black pastor from Charlotte, North Carolina in a white church and have a ball. Come on, somebody. What an awesome thing that is. Because we're no longer classified by the things of the world, we are now unified that in Christ we are all sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about the beliefs of the kingdom. 
The beliefs of the kingdom are based upon the goodness of God. How many know God is good? And all the time? God is good? And all the time? John 3, 16, we know this verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The belief system of the kingdom of God is a belief system based on the revelation that God is good. Look at Revelation, excuse me, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says this, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, his long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the fear of hell. Hell's a real place and real people are going there. But it's not the fear of hell, right? If you come to Christ with the fear of hell, all you got is fire insurance. Right? You're just trying to escape something. Christianity is not an escape mentality. It is a relationship mentality. I'm not trying to get out of something. I'm trying to get into something. And that's called a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, hey, don't reject the goodness of God. Don't reject the patience of God. Don't reject the long-suffering of the Lord. Don't you realize, he says, it's God's goodness that leads you to repentance. It's the revelation that God loves me. It's the revelation that God cares for me. It's the revelation that every soul has value and matters to God that turns hearts, that changes minds, that causes atheists to be believers. And causes hardened hearts to become softened because of the goodness of God. And I want you to hear me today. Any belief system that questions the goodness of God is a belief system that makes God in some form or fashion an an oppressor or else he's a dictator, but he's not a savior. Any belief system that questions the goodness of God, God is good All the time. And all the time, God is Either God is good all the time, or he's not God. Either God is good all the time, or he's not God. He's a good father. Jesus said there's none good but the Father. And he's good all the time. And the belief system of the kingdom is a belief system that is rooted in that revelation of the goodness of God. Because if my belief system is not rooted in the revelation of the goodness of God, then when trial comes, and it will come. And when trouble comes, and it will come. And when tragedy comes, and it will come. And when disappointment comes, and it will come. And when sickness comes, and death comes. If my belief system is not rooted in the revelation that God is good all the time and all the time God is good, then I will begin to question the goodness of God. And guess what happens? The moment I begin to question the goodness of God, I move out of the kingdom and I move into a place called unbelief. 
And I disconnect myself from the very thing that I need more than anything. And that is that God is good and I need His presence. Now, I shared with you last week, we all deal with doubt. Doubt is natural and doubt is normal. We have two options with doubt, right? We can either allow doubt to cause us to pull away and move to a place of unbelief, or we can bring our doubts to God. And if I will draw near to God with my doubts, with my questions, with my confusion, let me just tell you something. I I go to God on a regular basis, and I say, God, I don't understand this, and God, I don't like this. (laughs) I don't understand it, and I don't like it. But I found out if I'll just keep bringing my doubts, God's not intimidated by my doubt. God is not intimidated by my questions. God is not intimidated by my concerns. He's God. He's not discouraged by it. He's not overwhelmed by it. He's not disgusted by it. If any man lacks wisdom, let him come to God who gives liberally, the Bible says, and he will not rebuke you. Why? Because God wants us to bring our doubts and our questions and our confusion to him. Why? Because if I keep bringing them to God and bringing them to God and bringing them to God, in that place, I experience his presence. In that place, I experience his power. In that place, I experience his provision. And all of a sudden, I go from... God, I don't understand and I don't like it. (laughs) To God, I don't understand and I don't like it, but I trust you. (laughs) I still don't understand and I still don't like it, but I trust you. And in that place, that's a place in the kingdom where God's presence, power, and provision can come and things can change. Because instead of pulling away, I drew near in those difficult times. So the value or the belief system of the kingdom is rooted in the fact that God is good. Let's look at our last point, or next to our last point, the standard of the kingdom. The standard of the kingdom of God is built upon the word of God. And this is huge. Let me tell you why this is huge. This is huge because... What the Word of God does and and what God has done by creating a standard in the kingdom called His Word, what God has done is He has created clarity and consistency. Clarity and consistency. All of a sudden, there's a clear standard. And when there's clarity, there can be consistency. That the truth is, our world as a whole is missing clarity and it's missing consistency. There is no clarity in our culture today. Every young person in this room knows it. Every time you flip on the screen, everybody's saying something different. Everybody has their own opinion. Everybody is declaring this is right and this is wrong and this is right and this is wrong. This is the way you should look and this is the way you should act and this is what you should do and this is what you should say and this is how you should feel. And the more heads you scroll through, every talking head has a different opinion. Just flip the news channels. They're all talking about the same event. But everybody has a different perspective. And everybody is saying different things. This is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. It's the standard of the Word of God. In God's kingdom, His Word is a standard. In God's kingdom, His Word creates clarity and consistency. And it's that clarity and consistency that enables me to keep moving in the right direction. It helps me keep advancing. See, we've, we've all heard this statement. You ever heard this statement? I, I take one step forward and then I take... 
You know why? You lack clarity and consistency. If you don't have clarity, you can't be consistent. If you don't know what is absolutely right and what is absolutely wrong, you'll never be able to make the right decisions over and over again. Because the standard of the world is always changing. See, the, the standard of culture is this. The standard of our culture is simply this. If it's popular, it must be right. If everybody's doing it, it must be right. And so we have this constantly changing culture. We have these constantly changing standards. I mean, what was right 20 years ago is not right today. What was right five years ago is not right today. What was unacceptable 20 years ago is 100% acceptable today. Because the standard of the culture is just defined by what is popular and what is embraced by the masses. How many know the masses are very easily deceived? <laughs> and then there's a culture called tradition. A culture called tradition simply says this. It's right because that's what we've always done. And there's nothing wrong with tradition as long as your tradition is rooted in the Word of God. But if your tradition is not established in the Scripture and the truth of Scripture, then guess what happens? You have just propagated and continued from one generation to another generation to another generation. This is how we do it because this is how we've always done it. And you've actually sowed a seed of discontent and disconnection into a new generation because you haven't established a standard based on the Word of God. I love traditions. We've got a lot of traditions in our family. But only those that are built on the Word of God have any measure. <laughs> and without that, there's no measure. There's no measure. Think about this. Another way that, that, that we, we define standards. We define standards by logic and reason. Right? We define standards by logic. This is the right thing to do because it makes sense. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever logically made the best decision you could ever make? And the moment you made it, you knew it was wrong. You ever done that? I mean, you logic that thing out. You reasoned that thing out. You looked at it from every angle. And the moment you made the decision, you were like, oh, that was the wrong decision. <laughs> you know why? Because you have limited knowledge and understanding according to the reason of the world, but the revelation of God is limitless. The standard of God is consistent and unchanging. And then the last one I want to share with you, and we're going to get ready to wrap this up. last one is this. There's, there's the standard of feeling. If it feels good, it must be right. See, we have a billion-dollar industry right now called pornography that's built off of if it feels good, it must be right idea. But guess what? You don't have to be consumed with pornography to allow your feelings to rule you and allow your feelings to ruin you. Because we've all made decisions based on the standard of our feeling, and then our feelings changed. <laughs> and then we saw something or read something or experienced something that changed everything, and now I don't feel the way I used to feel about how I used to feel. <laughs> but I made a decision off of it. Jesus said this, Matthew 24. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Psalms 119, 107 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, 
He said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you God has created a kingdom where the standard never changes. Right is right, wrong is wrong, sin is sin, and righteous is righteous. And in that kingdom, guess what? There's consistency and there's clarity. And instead of taking one step forward and two steps back, you can take one step forward and one step forward and one step forward. And you can keep moving forward. Let me just challenge you. I, I, must, I, want to be, I, want to get, I want to get nosy for a minute. The fact that you're still fighting the same battle is evidence you're living by the wrong standard. The fact that you're still fighting the same battle is evidence that you're living by the wrong standard. There's always battles. But we shouldn't be fighting the same battle until Jesus comes. Come on, somebody. Hey, I want new levels, and I'm okay. New levels bring new devils. Come on, devil. We can take it on. But I don't want to fight the same battle. I don't want to walk around the same old mountain. Yeah, we're still dealing with the same thing. We've had this problem in our marriage for the last 15 years. And we take one step forward and two steps back, and we take one step forward and two steps back, and we've been struggling financially for about 20 years, and we take one step forward and two steps back, and we take one step forward and two steps back, and one step forward. And you know what? We've been trying to raise our kids, and we're constantly having problems and problems. We can't ever seem to get peace in our home, and there's just no peace. There's constant chaos in our home. And we take one step forward and two steps back, and one step forward and two steps back. If I'm walking around the same old mountain, if I'm fighting the same old battle, I'm living by the wrong standard. Because in the kingdom, you can not only advance, you can win. And that's what God has for us. And how beautiful that is. How wonderful that is. That God has created a kingdom culture that we can operate in and we can find life in. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you. Righteousness, peace, and joy sounds like a good way to live my life. Those are the things I want to live into. And I want flowing out of me. Amen. So the last point on your outline is why does this matter? And it matters because of what we've just been saying for the last few minutes. The kingdom you align with is the kingdom you operate in. And if I'm in alignment with God's kingdom, I don't have to keep walking around the same old mountain. I can actually move forward in Christ. I can climb the mountain. I can go to a new place. I can get a new view. I'll face new challenges and there'll be new obstacles. But it'll be a new thing. How many know God wants to do a new thing? Sometimes a new thing is a new problem that you need to face. Because God wants to take you to a new place you've never been. But as long as you're walking around that same old mountain... Man, you're living a life way below the standard God has for you. And here's the good news. God's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. And he's not throwing any stones. He don't want you to feel bad. He don't want you to feel guilty. He don't want you to feel condemned. He wants you to repent and believe the gospel. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Guess what? We've all walked around mountains. 
Kelly and I have a long story of a lot of mountains we've walked around for a long time. But the good news is we can all repent and believe the gospel. And if I'm willing to repent and believe the gospel, come into alignment with God, I can begin to climb the mountain. I can begin to go to a new place. And I can operate in that kingdom called the kingdom of God. What a beautiful thing it is. Let's just bow our heads for just a second. I want to ask our prayer teams to go ahead and come if they would. And I want to just go ahead and open the altar this morning. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Keith, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm in the kingdom. But maybe you recognize there's an area in the kingdom you're not really operating in. Maybe the language of faith has not been your language lately. Maybe, maybe you've begin to value other things other than the lives and the souls of people. And somehow you just stopped loving people. And somehow you stopped treating people the way you wanted to be treated. It's a value problem. And today we can just readjust. Maybe you realize, man, man, I've been living by the wrong standards. And I believe the Word of God. I acknowledge the Word of God. But somewhere along the way, Man, I allowed my feelings to take over. Let me just say I'm guilty. I've been there, done that. And I've walked around those mountains. But the good news of the gospel is that we move forward today. In the kingdom, there's life. In the kingdom, there's progression. In the kingdom, there's advancement and victory. And if you're here today and you're a believer and you say, Pastor Keith, man, I just I want somebody to pray with me today. I'm ready, I'm ready to break back through. I'm ready to break through that new level. I'm ready to break through to that new level today. The altar's open right now. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed, but you can just slip up to the altar. We'd love to pray with you. If you just want to come kneel on the altar, you could come and kneel. But this is your moment to get prayer, just to have somebody agree with you this morning and say, I'm ready to break through. I'm ready to break through that next level. I want to just make a short shift right here, and I want to just say if you're here this morning and you are listening maybe online and you realize Pastor Keith, I'm not in the kingdom. I've never been saved. I've never been born again. I've never accepted Christ. Maybe you're a good person. Maybe you're a moral person. But you realize this morning, if you were to stand before God, you would come up short. Because the only thing that gives us access into the presence of the Lord and the promise of heaven is a relationship with God through Jesus. And if you've never had that, and today you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be forgiven. I want to be redeemed. I want to be delivered. I want to know God. I'm not trying to escape hell. I want to know God. And I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want Him to save me. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to just take a real simple act of faith. I just want you to stand to your feet. Just stand up. Right where you're at this morning. Just a simple act of faith. You're not going to have to do anything other than stand. But I want you just to stand today and say, today I want to accept Christ. Today I want to be born again. I want to ask Jesus into my heart and my life. This is a holy moment. There's no condemnation today. God is not condemning you. He's drawing you out of a heart of love. And He's saying, come. Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you life. Come to me. I'll forgive you. Come to me. We can begin again. There's forgiveness today. 
There's redemption today. There's deliverance today. If that's you, we're about to pray. If you want to just pray that prayer with me, you can just stand to your feet right now. We're about to pray that prayer in this whole room and ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives. I'm going to ask everybody to say it with me. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you, Lord Jesus. And I submit my life to your Lordship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Well, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We love you. We're so honored that you're here today. And if you're visiting with us today, thank you for being here. Uh, Please, if you hadn't filled out a connection card, we'd love to follow up with you and just welcome you into the family. God bless you today. Have a great day in the Lord. You're dismissed, and we'll talk to you soon.